Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. We'd like to thank you for joining us for helping military kids cope with the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Happy Garner, and I am a Master Parent Educator with the Military Child Education Coalition Parent-to-Parent Webinar Team. So we are excited to have Dr. Koza with us today, Professor of Psychiatry at the Uniformed Services University, where he serves as Associate Director for the Center for the Study of Traumatic Stress. So I should start by providing a disclaimer that what I am presenting today is my own and it doesn't necessarily reflect the opinions of the Uniformed Services University or the Department of Defense. We want to open this up to questions from our audience because I know we've got a couple that have come in. So I will start with those if that works for you, Dr. Koza. Sure. Okay, so our first one is, how do I explain COVID-19 to my young child? Okay, so that's really an important question. Um, So a lot of times, first of all, we think that young children don't understand what's going on. Um, So the way we frame this, uh, they certainly see some things. They see moms and dads staying at home. They see people wearing masks. They see that we can't visit grandma right now, that we can't spend time with our friends. So it's really important to provide some basic information to them. I think the first thing we want to do as parents is take a deep breath and make sure we understand what it is that we want to say, and then build a shared understanding. So it may be telling young children that there's a germ that affects people and it can cause them to get very sick. And in order for us to make sure that germ doesn't spread, we need to do some important things like washing our hands and staying away from others and uh, maybe wearing masks sometime. And we're doing that so that we stay healthy and that we also keep other people in our community healthy and that you as a child have an important role in that. You can make a difference in terms of what you're doing. So giving them a role, giving them a job and letting them know they're important in this. And then always ask kids, regardless of their age, what it is that they understand and what questions that they have. So so you as parents are their advocates and you are their main source of information, whether they be younger children or older children. Awesome. I love that part where you mentioned giving the kids a role to help them have a part in all of this really helps them to understand it a little bit more. Second question we've got is how do I not share my worries with my children? Yeah, that's a really, really important one. So the reason why that's so important is what I had mentioned earlier, that children do as well as we as parents do. So if we're managing and if we're calm and if we're not communicating a lot of distress to our children, then it's much more likely that they're going to do well. So it's not to say that we have to be blank with them. It's not to say that we can't kind of similarly share that this is scary, that this can feel scary, that it's disappointing 
that I really wish we could do these things. I know this is sad. I, we were planning on visiting with your cousins this summer, and we're not going to be able to do that because of the, the virus. So it's certainly okay to share our emotional responses, but we want to do it in a controlled way. If we really, really need to let loose, we need to do that with other adults. We need to talk with our partners, our spouses. We need to call up our siblings and kind of lean on them or talk with friends. But And, and then certainly the always for, for us as parents, you know, think about it like uh, always put your own oxygen mask on first before you try to put one on your kids that you want to make sure you're taking care of yourself. So you're sleeping well, you, you are being healthy, you're watching your alcohol intake, you are eating well and getting some exercise and taking some deep breaths for yourself. All are going to make you be a better or a more sustainable resource for your kids. And so some questions, we've got quite a few that are coming in here. Um, we have a situation, a participant has a six, a six and a 16-year-old concerned about their stages of development with social skills and effects of isolation from their friends. So asking, what can we do to minimize the future effects in their mental health? So I think first of well, all, we need to remember that, that even though I know we're really worried about our kids, that this is not going to scar them for the rest of their lives. This, this is something I think that is going to be memorable, and it's also going to be something that's important to define as a family. Do you remember the, the six months that we wound up spending so much time together as a family, and you couldn't be with other kids, and what was that like? We, we want to frame it for the kids in a way, and we want to frame it for ourselves. This is not going to damage our kids. It's going to make them extremely bored. It's going to make them restless. With teenagers, I think the degree to which they can use virtual opportunities to engage with friends, spend time with friends, talk with them, but also, you know, whether it's with extended family, with cousins, the opportunity for any kind of virtual interaction, I think, is really, really important. And that can be true with, with younger kids, too. So the degree to which there are virtual play dates with other kids and spending time together, there's also an opportunity to make some crafts and sort of share them with other families or with other children. But that's not to say that it's going to be the same as spending time with other children. But I will reassure you from a developmental standpoint, that this is going to be a period of time we're going to look back on and say, oh my goodness, I'm so glad it's over. But it's certainly not going to scar our kids. We'll, they will move forward with this. They'll be back with their friends as soon as they have the opportunity to be back with them. And that it's, you know, that it, and it's a safe thing for them to be doing. Definitely builds upon that resilience you talked about earlier. So next question is, how do you take a break from a five-year-old that does not need to be alone? And to preface this, I believe this is a participant whose service member is deployed. The deployment has been extended upon extension due to COVID, and um, she's having some issues at home with the five-year-old. Well, first, pat yourself on the back. That's the first thing you need to do. Give yourself a whole lot of credit because you're in a really difficult situation, right? So, so parents who are now home alone with young children, particularly when those kids can't be involved with childcare, can't be involved with preschool and other, you know, play dates and stuff like that that they typically would be. So the First and foremost, give yourself a whole lot of credit for what you're trying to do. So a lot of this is really going to depend on your child and also your 
kind of willingness to what kinds of rules you have in place and what you're willing to do and what, what not willing to do. So some children have an ability to sustain attention longer than others. At five years old, that can really vary and depend. And so perhaps that child is, uh, perhaps your five-year-old is capable of a little bit of time. Perhaps they have more capacity, say, if you were to allow them to watch some sort of um, educational activity on television for a period of time or a little bit more screen time than you typically would allow to give yourself a break. I think that is important. I saw one interesting recommendation from the Sesame Workshop that, that I thought was kind of a really interesting way of helping kids who are young sort of think about time and manage it and be, you know, develop a capacity to be patient. So, and what they suggested was that you pour, as parents, you pour yourself a glass of water and you do your activities and you tell your child, when the water is done, I'll be ready to to talk with you again. So it, it, it gives a kind of almost a visual clue to your child that, that when you will be ready to be available to them. Uh, so we do want them to be able to spend some time in managing with some activities. We want them largely, obviously, to be healthy activities. Certainly, if children need adult supervision because, you know, they may get into a situation that could be problematic, parents may need to be present. But we also do want to help teach them uh, to be patient and to spend time. But I will tell you that spending time as a, a solo parent with young children right now given the virus, given being homebound and a deployed service member is super challenging. So I, I would check in with friends. I would, I would uh, chat about other examples or other kinds of strategies that have worked for them. But first and foremost, be kind to yourself and understand that what you're attempting to do and what you're trying to do and the frustration you're feeling is, is completely understandable. Yes, I love that. And kind of goes back to what you told us earlier, mentioned earlier, that good enough is good enough. So we have quite a few more questions coming in. Participants saying kids are seeing this as a punishment for something they didn't do. For instance, they're missing highlights of a school year, possibly missing summer vacation. I'm wondering if she's wanting some tips on how to discuss that with the child. Sure. So children will actually come up with a variety of, depending upon the age of the child, a variety of explanations to try to understand what it is that's going on around them. So I do feel like as parents, what we want to do is to try to understand where, where they're placing that attribution. So if somebody is being punished who is it or where's the punishment coming from or how do they understand it? Because we really do want to correct, help them correct any distortions that they may be experiencing or blaming that's going on, or certainly if they're feeling like they hold some responsibility for what's going on. And we want to put it in plain terms to them, which is, you know, this really is not anybody's fault that what we're dealing with now is really, really hard. And I totally understand why you're disappointed and I understand why you're angry and I'm disappointed and I'm angry too. I don't want to be doing this. I really would rather be outside and playing with you and your friends or going to the pool or, or, or spending that weekend with the whole extended family that we thought we were going to have. But we can't do that right now. And I know that's frustrating. There will be a time that we can. So bringing in a little bit of hopefulness, but also letting them know that it's really important that we all are going to have to do our job. So although adults are largely responsible for how we get through this, that we also, I need you 
to be able to uh, manage this frustration and we're going to work together to get past it. And let's think about creative things. What can we do right now? You can't go over to Billy's house and spend time with him, but what can we do? What is something that you can do that allows you to feel like you've got some control over it, even though it's not exactly what you wish you could be doing right at the moment? Our next one would be referencing a 10-year-old. Uh, what do you do with a child that is acting out and crying sometimes just to get attention? Again, I think that you know your child better than I. And so anytime kids are crying, I always sort of stop and wonder, what exactly is this about? And is it about that they, they may be scared about what's happening? In other words, they're worried about the situation. Or if it is, in fact, wanting to get attention, then trying to understand a little bit more what that getting attention is about. And as we were just talking about a minute ago, you know, that getting attention may have to do with the fact that uh, this 10-year-old can't do anything that he or she wishes they could do. Uh, you know, they can't be with friends. They can't do what they want. They feel frustrated and angry. So having those conversations, and then I think it's also okay to, again, ask them to step up a little bit, to, to tell them that, you know, I know this is really hard, but, you know, this is something we're going to have to do together. And then maybe if they are, quote unquote, looking for that attention, then see if you can engage them in something that is kind of a shared activity that is whether that has to do with kind of doing something together for the family, like making dinner, or whether it's doing something together that, that is just recreational, enjoying time, like playing a board game together or having a family movie, a movie night, or maybe doing both, you know, like, hey, listen, I know this is really hard right now. I tell you what, you know, I know you're not feeling great. How about we work on this together? We'll make a really nice dinner together after we do that, or we'll make a dessert together. And then after dinner tonight, you know, we're going to sit down together and, and spend some time and, and, and watch a movie together. There are times also in families, because of the dynamics, we need to be thinking about that, again, it depends on whether one or two parents are home, but it still might mean that you need some one-on-one -on -one time with one child while the other one spends a little time alone. That child gets time, you know, at some point as well in one-on-one -on -one time with a parent or both parents. And then the family comes together. So remembering that those individual relationships one-on-one -on -one are important. Family time is important. The degree to which you can sort of have that special interaction with children or for that matter with a spouse or partner who's home, that can be difficult based upon privacy, but making those opportunities as, avail as available as, as possible is important. We've received about two or three questions and comments that are kind of all relevant together. It's more so um, when the children talking with them of how, you know, maybe when you have adventured out and they don't understand why some people are wearing masks, some people aren't wearing masks, why restrictions are different for different states, different businesses, even with the Department of Defense. So trying to explain it can be a challenging for adults as well as children, but how do we talk about why some people are doing certain things and some people aren't in regards right. to wearing masks, for example? Right. I think that's I think that's a really important question for all of us, not just for kids. How, how do we explain that? And what are the 
the, the kinds of explanations that are going to help make us stronger and feel like we're together on this or what, which are the, the responses that will divide us. So, uh, you know, an example of the kinds of response that would divide us is that, you know, these people are doing this and they're all wrong and making it more conflictual. I, I think the way I would frame it is that, you know, this is really a very difficult situation and people are trying to balance a lot of important information and in figuring out what the right thing is to do. So even for all of us, we read online, if you go out running, some people are saying you should wear a mask, other people are saying absolutely not, you shouldn't wear a mask. So there's varying recommendations that are coming from different places. And the way I would frame it to kids is that, that people are having, you know, some people disagree about this, but also different people are trying to make informed decisions that balance the idea of keeping safe versus how do we be together in ways that make sense and keep and and continue to keep us same safe at the same time so it's balancing in communities where people should be wearing masks and it's been clear and they're not then i think it's fair to say to kids you know what we've all been told in this community that we should be merit wearing masks and and the fact that that person is not doing it they're really not following the rules but we as a family follow the rules and these are the rules for our family. And this is what our decision is. Mom and dad made this decision. And so this is what we're going to do. Um, and so this is the decision that we've made. But I do agree. I, I think it's fair to tell kids that there are disagreements, but I think we want to frame it in terms. And, and, and in a fair sense, I think this is true. I think that we have a whole country trying to figure out how to balance how do we stay safe and healthy versus how do we put our lives back on track in ways that make sense for us, maintain our economy? And it's that struggle right now that oftentimes gets expressed in a conflictual way, but really it's an important conversation. And I think if we can frame that at a level that kids understand, I think we can best serve them in that kind of conversation. Um, and we've got time to take a couple of more questions. Um, we do have one of our professionals joining us today, Military Family Life Consultant. They have a military family that says their second grader and kindergartner are refusing to go outside anymore. How can they encourage the family to get them outside? I'm glad that it sounds like they are seeking some additional help from a family life consultant, which is great. So they're looking for assistance, which is wonderful. I think that anytime we see anxiety, and this could be an issue for a number of people as we actually phase back in, you know, we've been telling people to be careful for so long, there are going to be some uh, children who might be anxious about, okay, now it's time to go back doing what we were doing. So what I always suggest is that, that it be done in a phased kind of way um, and that with any kind of anxiety, we step into it, kind of giving, we don't make the first step too complicated. So it might just be a matter of opening the front door and having them sit by the front door for a period of time. It might be allowing them to look at the window and seeing their parents outside and waving in. I think that the degree to which we can address the anxiety by giving them small amounts of exposure that allow kids to feel comfortable and maybe starting off too with ensuring that it's a time, say, when there are no other people outside. So going out at a time where children may be more comfortable. Uh, some of it may ask, be asking the child specifically, what is it that they're most fearful of outside? So is it just being outside or is it being outside with people or is it being outside seeing people with masks? In which case then there may be opportunities to desensitize kids to any one of those specific fears that they 
have depending upon the circumstances. It sounds like there are times when children develop you know, real anxiety that needs to be treated clinically. And in those kinds of circumstances, it might be helpful for them to, it sounds like the, the family life consultants certainly are professional, um, the degree to which they may need some consultation with like a child mental health provider as well. That, that can always be an, uh, you know, a very helpful option. Well, thank you. So we are going to quickly take these last two questions. Balancing life with children with special needs that are missing some of their services. I know you briefly touched on this. Right. So that's a that's a big challenge. And I'm not a special educator. But what I would say is that, and what I had mentioned in the presentation, is I do think kids with special needs are at increased risk uh, because of the fact that they can't necessarily get all the resources that they would get in a face-to-face -face interaction. I do know children that are still getting special education support through virtual means, so I would encourage that if that's possible. It might also be the you as a parent being involved with the special educator, and you may have already done this, but talking with the special educator about how you might be able to Im implement any of those activities at home, that would obviously depend upon time and, and your capacity to do that and exactly what is implemented in support of your child for a special need. But maybe, you know, most of, most of the time these services are provided one-on-one -on -one between the child and the special educator. So it might be a good time to think about if they're willing to do a virtual interaction to do it child and parent all together. So it sort of brings the parent into the discussion in a way that might sort of support the benefit of that virtual experience. But uh, my only hope is that, you know, again, we can get back to business as usual sooner rather than later so that, uh, you know, those face-to-face -face services could be provided. But uh, that would be my recommendation is checking in with the special educators, seeing if there are ways that you can get involved in any virtual way in order to provide some of those services at home. Our last question, can you provide any insight on providing opportunities for closure for the military children who will PCS without being to physically say goodbye to their teachers, their school, and their friends? Right. That's really a tough one. So I think that I would encourage parents to, what the hard part is that we have ways of thinking about that we would absolutely want to do under such circumstances, being able to go to school and give our teachers a hug or or spend time with friends and, you know, have a barbecue in the middle of the summer to or be, at the beginning of the summer to say goodbye before the PCS. I, I think the only opportunities we have are distance-based right now. So I would say, is there a way to do a special goodbye party with a Zoom call with friends and with teachers online? The other way is to kind of use some kind of craft activity in order to create something that gives things to people that are important as a goodbye, that helps them, you know, it could be dropped off at a house at a, at a front door, but communicates that and kind of gives a, a sense of connection, maybe with a drive-by waving from the car, doing, you know, some sort of a, a way to say goodbye from a distance whether that's whether that's waving or whether that's sharing kind of a, a barbecue through a Zoom meeting that everybody gets to participate in from their own separate corners. But I do think it's important that these events get marked. And I do think it's important, you know, the, the other thing that's possible, it may not be something that's feasible in the near term, but, you know, recognizing that there will be an opportunity at some point in the future potentially to get together physically, and that would be a time to revisit and to say a formal goodbye, but we really need to be creative. I think that the, the ways that people can be creative 
under these circumstances to mark things, to celebrate, to not miss opportunities is so important. I think that really it's disappointing to, to not be able to do it in the ways we wish we could, but it will be even more disappointing not to market in some way that is creatively possible right now. We would like to give a special thanks again to Dr. Koza for presenting all of this valuable and very relevant information. Happy thank you for the opportunity to speak today. Thank you so much. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.